Yo, this, this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, this is Patrick Chapin. You're listening to Yo MTG Taps. She's one in a billion with lips up vermilion. She created the heavens. Baby goes to eleven when she rides beside. Hey. Everybody, welcome to episode 11 of Yo MTG Taps, and we were absolutely sure that this was episode 11. We didn't have to check at all. Not at all. So, um, Joey Pasco here with Big Head Joe. Big Head Joe. Big Head Joe. So, uh... Is that a Trojan Man song? Trojan Man! Yeah, right. (laughs) So, uh, we have an awful lot to talk about. It has been quite a while since our last episode. Um, There's a good reason for that. Yes, we got hit by a snowstorm. Couple but of also, snowstorms. yeah, a couple of snowstorms. But unfortunately, I missed all the snowstorms because I was on the Magic Cruise. Um, so yeah, we haven't had a chance to get together. And see, in the Magic Cruise, you were not. No, I'm, I'm I mean, making I didn't fun see of you. There. I'm making fun of you. I know no. you didn't. I didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so here's the thing. I'll just kind of briefly go over some of this. I was supposed to leave for the Magic Cruise on Saturday morning. My flight was supposed to leave Baltimore on Saturday the sixth. Uh, the cruise went out of Fort Lauderdale on the afternoon of the 7th, Sunday the 7th. Well, basically, we started hearing earlier in the week that there was going to be this huge snowstorm. I I think I wasn't too worried about it for some reason at first, but then it started kind of becoming apparent that maybe we should be worried about it. So by Thursday, we were kind of scrambling to change our flights, and suddenly, like, flights were getting cut and canceled. We heard the airport was closing at 2 o'clock on Friday, um, my girlfriend was on the phone with the airline trying to get them to change our flights and basically she found out that there was a flight on like Friday morning at like 10 a.m. or something so she needed to make sure she could get out of work that day because she, she was supposed to work on Friday so she, uh, she says hold on just a second and she puts them on hold by the time she came back the flight was booked up while, while she had them on hold there were suddenly no seats they said there's no flights, there's no more so she calls me and says, there's no more flights. So we thought we were screwed. We thought we were driving is what we thought we were doing. Then somehow, I mean, just I guess on a whim, she happened to check online and seats, two seats appeared on a flight at like 1 o'clock or 1.55 on Friday, um, which was five minutes before the airport was supposed to close. So we took them and we were still worried. We were still really thinking we were going to be driving there because we thought five minutes difference is just not enough. It's just cutting it too close. But uh, I guess to make a long story short, and obviously we did make it out, and we were like the last flight out of the airport on on Friday. And uh, wow, that felt really good <laughs> to be sitting on that plane. I like couldn't, I didn't want to believe it. Well, I wanted to believe it, but I didn't, uh, I didn't want to kind of count my chickens before that plane took off. <laughs> so like, I was in the airport in line to board the plane, and I'm still sitting there going, not until we get on that plane and it's flying am I going to believe that the plane is taking off. <laughs> because I'm just afraid of getting on the plane and them saying, all right, everybody off, we canceled the flight. So uh sounds like while I was gone, we had the storm of the century. Uh, from what I've heard, there has been no recorded uh, storm anything like this in our area. Um, we have more snow accumulated over this season than Green Bay, um, Buffalo, Buffalo, anywhere pretty much. I, I would say I think almost anywhere 
in the country almost. Like there's like places they were they were just showing the snowfall totals and we've just blown everyone away. It's crazy. Um which I love personally because I don't drive a car. Uh so <laughs> I, I get I get crippled uh for about one day and then the buses go back running in limited form and I can travel around all I want. There you go. Stop clicking my keys. Oh, good, um, good call. <laughs> so we have some uh voicemails. Um, yeah, we, we got some voicemails, we have some emails, we have a lot of feedback. Now, uh, for, for whatever reason, we do have, you know, things coming in. I guess people are listening, people are commenting. And, and, and if you want to e- if you want to send us a voicemail, uh, send it to three three one MTG Taps, and we will read it or we'll play it on the show. Um, and we just wanted to go over these. First of all, we wanted to read one of them because Google Voice is kind of hilarious. Google Voice. You know, you can leave a message and that's all cute and all, but then they try to send you this text translation. Yeah, of like the trans- voicemail transcribes it. It kind of like says, "Okay, well, we'll take, we'll we'll send you a message saying, hey, you got a voicemail, and this is what the message is.'" But it, you know, it's not it's not very accurate. Can I read this so, one? So we decided just for you know, because it's funny, we're going to read two of the emails, two of the shorter ones, just so you get an idea. And you know, it's kind of funny just to, to hear. So. And of course, obviously, we're going to play them too. But okay, so here's one. It says, "Hi, yes, I just wanted to call him and just complained. I'm going to control place, and I'm just so sad that does not enough cards in the current standard form that somebody please my deck." Never mind the fact that before Bowl Witch Adam, or when else Aries with that week, and now I'm just so set. Hi, I hi can't get over it. Hi can play my control back and makes me so upset. He said he agar players at the my ass. Yeah, this is Keith, and that's how I feel we are. <laughs> Transcript useful? Check or X? Check. Oh, don't check it. They're gonna think that's correct. And they're gonna keep would you like to us? Uh, would you like to donate this voicemail to help us improve transcription? Just, yes. Oh, come on. You're gonna make it worse. <laughs> uh, yes. That's terrible. Well, you okay. know what? So then we've got a couple really long ones here, but then we've got another one that we thought was funny. So yeah, this is uh, Chris from Minneapolis called us. So at least I assume his name was Chris because that is what Google Voice says his name was. <laughs> I, I think they got that part right. At least I'm gonna assume, and you'll find out because we'll play the. Uh, the voicemails anyway. Hey, this is Chris from Minneapolis. I completely agree with your banning of web right out with beards, part of that article by Blue, where it's at giving your cell count on a cell phone. But there is nothing last fun than Blood Blade. Barbara delves into a bike, and hi, they could be eliminated with Weber it up being back. Thanks for the show. Listen, I'll be less of next week. <laughs> So, uh, let's actually move along to some more magic-related topics. Um, we're going to play those voicemails. Uh, do you want to play them at the end of the show? Do you want to play them right now? No, play them right now. All right, we'll play them right now. Yes, um, I just wanted to call in and just complain. Uh, I'm a control player, and I'm just so sad that there's not enough cards in the current standard format for me to play my deck. Never mind the fact that before Lowe and Shadowmore went out, fairies were the deck to beat. And now I'm just so sad. I can't get over it. I can't play my control deck and it makes me so upset. These silly aggro players are beating my ass. Yeah, uh, this is Keith and uh, that's how I feel. Later, bitches. And that was our, our friend Keith. <laughs> Keith doesn't like control decks. Keith hates control decks. 
he likes to pretend he doesn't ever play islands, but from what I remember, he had a uh, hedron crab deck. Mm-hmm. So uh, he doesn't have any room to talk. I, I understand. He he doesn't like control decks. That's what he doesn't like. And the hedron crab deck wasn't actually control. It was just kind of more combo. It was more mill yeah, than anything so, else. But so fine. He doesn't like it. That that's fine. But that's funny. No, I appreciate we appreciate the voicemail, and it and it was funny. And. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for sending it in. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Um, you'll be seeing your good buddy Jace pretty soon. <laughs> good luck. And remember, and remember, Keith, you traded me one, too. Oh, Keith, you should have kept it and traded it to me because you play me less than you play Joe. <laughs> so next time you get one, keep that in mind. I've got good stuff for trade. I'll trade you a Baneslayer. <laughs> All right, anyway, so let's move on to the next voicemail. Um, this uh, We actually have two from Scott McCallum, so you'll hear both of those. Hey guys, how you doing? Mr. Scotty Mack here from Twitter. Love this podcast and listening to it since day one. You guys are awesome. Listen, uh, I just got uh, your podcast from, uh, picked it up late. I was uh, at the gym and, and listening to it, and it was after the pre-release, and I had already gone. And, and you guys made some comments about a couple of cards. Uh, number one is the Razor Boomerang, and I know you guys are pretty heated on it, so I want to talk about that uh, first and foremost. I, I foreowed my sealed pool. Uh, basically on the back of, of one of the mattresses on the back of this card, uh, I was playing a red-green um, burn-heavy deck. I had two of the zero-one uh, spark mages and this razor boomerang with some arborels. My bombs were a, a war caller and uh, um, a, a hellkite charger. But anyways, the, the point is that I, I'm playing this guy. He's playing red-black. God knows what he's going to whip out from a hasty standpoint. He's sandbagging one card, and I've got my little Arbor Elf out. So I've got eight mana every turn, and I'm drawing nothing. Just got empty empty hand, drawing land, land, land. So what am I doing? I'm playing my Razor Boomerang, and I'm putting it onto my Arbor Elf. And instead of attacking for one with the Arbor Elf, I'm waiting until the end of turn, and then plinging him for one with the Razor Boomerang, and then replaying it and equipping it on my turn. Why? Clearly... You know, I could be attacking for one with my Arbor Elf, but at the end of the day, you know, when the turn's over, I could have my guy tap. God knows what he's going to pull out. Elemental Appeal and smack me in the face for seven? Like, I need that. So anyways, I figure, you know, maybe he pulls out a 2-2 Hasty guy. Who knows? That gives me the opportunity now to block with my Arbor Elf, tap to do the one to the Razor Boomerang, which then returns to my hand, and then still deal that extra one through with the Arbor Elf. Therefore, essentially making him a 2-1. What ends up happening next is, of course, he bolts or bursts or whatever the hell my little my little Arbor Elf, so I've got no dudes. So what happens next? The next card off the top happens to be yet another Arbor Elf. So I drop him on the board, re-equip my Razor Boomerang. It's business as usual. Needless to say, my opponent was quite perturbed. Uh, it, it turned out to be a really good medium of, inev- of inevitability. And at the end of uh, all of it, that's what we're all racing to at the end of 20. So Razor Boomerang. Pretty good card in limited. Granted, not even remotely constructed viable because the point of what I pay five plus tap a creature to do one damage is pretty ludicrous. And yes, I recognize that. But in limited, because <laughs> it's not constructed good enough, it's got to be good enough for limited. And in this case, it is. The other one I want to talk about too is my second play that I played. One of my bombs was uh, the strength of the Tajuru, which you guys mentioned. Uh, and I know there's a big debate of, of Comet Storm and Mythic versus Tajuru. Comet Storm, A, instant speed, Tajuru instant speed, fine. Comet Storm can kill a Baneslayer Angel on its own. It can also kill a player on its own. Tajuru, 
Not so much. Um, you look at cards like Decree of Savagery, which cost like a billion mana back in the day. Yeah, that put counters on all your creatures, but you know what? You still needed creatures, otherwise it was no better than a giant growth. Uh, same answer here with Strength of the Tajuru versus Comet Storm. Comet Storm on its own, potential to end games, decimate opponents. Tajuru, granted it can have a similar effect if you're looking to break up a deadlock of creatures on both sides. Maybe put the finishing touches on an opponent, but you still need resources in order to make it work. So, yes, functionally two very similar cards, but one very, very key difference between the two, which I think merits the rarity, having been blown out by Comet Storm and not having ever been able to blow anyone out with Tijuru. Um, Comet Storm definitely all the way is a mythic. I, I, I recognize that, yeah, there's discussions about it versus other cards of nature at rare versus mythic, but if you have to compare the two in a vacuum, Comet Storm is leaps and bounds beyond strength of the Tajuru. Anyways, guys, keep it up. Excellent podcast. Can't wait to hear it next week. Thanks. All right, so thanks. Thanks a ton to Scott for uh, for leaving us some feedback. Yeah, definitely. And um, in terms of his comments, I have to agree with him um, at least a little bit on the Razor Boomerang thing because there were, like, at the pre-release, I went 3-0, and then I was in my fourth round. I was playing against a guy... <clears throat> who had um, Blade Tusk Boar, and I was playing black and blue. And literally, okay, I had Caustic Crawler, and Caustic Crawler was was decent. It's um, like the landfall that gives landfall a creature. Landfall creature minus one, minus one, right. until in a turn. And um, he had so many creatures with two toughness, I really don't like Caustic Crawler. Like, I thought I liked it um, in Limited, but I really don't like it after playing with it enough times. Like, I'm just like, it's not killing anything with this damn thing. Like, if I had something... Like, let's say, Razor Boomerang in my deck and not just sitting in my pile of cards that I didn't want to play with um, because I thought it was terrible, I could have actually gone 4-0, I think. So I think that my, uh, my prejudice against the card kind of cost me a win and cost me a couple packs, to be totally honest. Um, and and um, Scott has a really good point about, about the Razor Boomerang. Like, in a pinch... In that sort of situation, maybe you need to deal one damage to something, or maybe you need to block and then, you know, deal a point of damage, deal an additional point of damage, or something like that. You know, that could, you know, that could actually be very effective. And that's, I think that's a really good point about that. I think I'm going to stand behind my original stance on the card. Um, I think Scott and, and you now have made some great points about when Razor Boomerang would be good. I think you can make that point about almost any card. You can make a point for when it would be good. <clears throat> the problem with that I have is that are those situations going to come up often enough to make it playable? And I don't think they are. Yes, he gave an example of when it did come up for him, um, but he needed that Arbor Elf. He, he actually went on to talk about how Strength of the, the Tajuru needed a creature, uh, and that is why it's not as good as Comet Storm, which which I'll move on to that. But that's a perfect example of why Razor Boomerang is even is is not as good as um, as something similar that might just you know sacrifice for for a damage or something. I, I can't think of a good example at the moment. But what is it? Blazing Torch. That one I think the creature has to tap too, doesn't it? Yes. Um, so that's not a good example. But when you're but, in a pinch, I mean, like, of course, when you're in a pinch, it's great. To do one damage to something, of course, but it's very high cost and a pretty situational time. Yes, it's a reusable one damage. I think that's 
That's fine. It's not as bad. Maybe we were too hard on it. But I still feel like... I'm not saying it's a good card. No, 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 no. I don't think you are. I just think um, that... Um, I think my deck could have actually used it in right. combination with the Caustic Crawler. I mean, you look at what the, the cards that you have, and you make the best fit. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just, like, look at things, you know, as far as, like, what they are... Like, when you're playing Limited, and when you're playing Sealed specifically, you can't look at a card and just think of, like how much other cards are better than it when you don't have those other cards. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, no, I, I think I, that's the one thing that I didn't quite realize that's a good point. when I was evaluating my sealed pool was, man, I don't really... I'm like, I have this Caustic Crawler, which I think is good, but how many times am I going to get two instances of Landfall in the same turn with these cards that I have, <laughs> and how often am I going to need to deal an additional point of damage? You know, I'm playing... Right. I'm playing uh, um, black and blue, and yes, I had things like Tomb Hex, and I had stuff like that, but those things run out. You know what I mean? Like, you, you play that spell, and it's gone. Right. You know, if I would have had the Razor Boomerang in my deck, I could have been dealing two damage to a creature at least once. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't need the, the Razor Boomerang to go off more than once, but it would have been enough to knock that Blade Tusk board off the board that was threatening me and killing me both times I lost. Right. Um, so I think that that would have been good, and but I just you know you know you know what I'm saying though. Oh, like, yeah. you just my, need to... my initial reaction to the card is based off of my previous conceptions of or my previous opinions on what we've gotten in the last 15 years of playing Magic. You you see a card like that and you go, the hell is this? Right. You know, I've seen so many. Why did they print this? There's so many cards that they've printed that are better. I wasn't necessarily saying looking at you know a pool of uh, from a sealed deck, you know, six packs worth of cards and saying this card is terrible in relation to the rest of these these other cards. In sealed, it's going to be better, I think, than it is in draft. Definitely. Where it's going to be better for sure than it is in constructed. But, and he said that too. It's not, uh, it's obviously not constructed worthy. Right. I don't think I would, I would and I don't think I would ever draft it, uh, honestly. Like, right. in most situations, because when you're drafting, you know, you're getting an opportunity to grab so many better cards. Um, right. and, and chances are I'll have the removal I need. But when you, you know, you have a set pool of cards and you're like, okay, this is it. This is all I get. You know what I mean? Like, and like, and probably two to three colors of it, you're not even going to touch the whole time. So those are resources that are just gone and wasted. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, you know, card box fodder. Um, but like, I should have, I mean, I really should have looked at the Razor Boomerang a little more seriously, but due to my my prejudices against the card, mm -hmm. I didn't even consider it until, you know, like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know what I mean? Like, I didn't right. consider it until it was too late, and I had already gone 3-1. Yeah. Well, see, and that's another thing, and and, and he brought it up, too. Um, he, he had Cunning Spark Mage, you had Caustic Crawler. The cards around a card can make that card better. Yeah, so, that's true. So Razor Boomerang, in a vacuum, is terrible. With... Caustic Crawler, Cunning Spark Mage, or just anything else that kind of maybe deals one or two points of damage. Um, or Tomb Hex, which against a 5-5, five five, you can Tomb Hex and then, you know, Razor Boomerang something. Um, it, it, six mana. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. So, <laughs> so there are going to be situations where the cards around it will make it better. And that was, that was uh, Scott's example. That's your example. Um, so, yeah, I can see that. So uh, I appreciate the feedback on that. I, I don't know if I'd ever play it in sealed, but I will now look at it closer now that we've discussed it a little further. Um, his next point 
about Comet Storm and Strength of the Tajiru. Um, I have a couple things to say about that. Um, good points. And, and he, um, he brought up uh, Giant Growth, which if you look at Strength of the Tajiru versus Comet Storm, you can kind of draw a really, really close parallel between Giant Growth and Lightning Bolt. Uh, instant speed, same casting costs, same effect... Mm-hmm. You know, the giant growth doesn't leave the counters on the creature. But, I mean, it's a pretty good comparison, and it's clear that Lightning Bolt is better than giant growth, right? Because giant growth requires a creature. So uh, that's the perfect argument as far as why Comet Storm is better than Strength of, of the Tajiru. I just thought it was odd, as far as its rarity, um, that two such similar cards were uh, put in different rarities. And... I asked Ken Nagel about that, actually. Oh, cool. So, <clears throat> you'll hear his answer on on the interview, which I believe is going to be posted either alongside this or um, a little before it, so you might have already heard it. But partly, it's just sometimes the rarities, uh, you know, they might have designed strength of the Tajiro. Every time I say that, it's like, you <laughs> can't pronounce the damn name. Um, <clears throat> it might have been designed for Mythic, but they needed another green rare, and so they just moved it down. Or they needed room for another green mythic, and so they bumped strength to rare. Uh, and, and so, you know, sometimes something like that is going to happen. I don't know. I'm sure what Scott said could have also been one of the reasons they decided to do that. Because, yes, in Limited, you'd probably rather uh, not have a Comet Storm showing up at rare as often. Right. Um, so it's a good point. You know, I'm sure there's all kinds of arguments and thoughts and reasons for things behind the scenes. It just seemed odd to me that two such parallel cards were, you know, put in different rarities. And, and just by the way, uh, talking to Patrick Chapin at uh, on the Magic Cruise, he thinks Strength of the Tajiru is the best green card in, uh, or, or one of the best green cards at least in the format, is what he said. We were playing sealed, so I assume he meant sealed. But um, just just to throw that out there, since we're talking about it, uh, that wasn't something that I recorded when I when I spoke to him uh, when I interviewed him. But when we were just having conversations, he mentioned that, and I thought that was interesting because I mean it's, it is a good card, but to be one of the best green cards in limited or in sealed, uh, I think that's a pretty high honor to be you know to be thought of as that. So have you played with it? I have not. Okay, I had it in my sealed pool. That's why it came up. I um, think I had it... I can't remember if I had it in my sealed pool or in my prize packs, but... I seem to keep pulling them as, like left and right. Either way, <laughs> like I, I'm almost certain that I just wound up not running green. Well, I know yeah, I didn't run that's green. That's what happened to me. But where I had it in my pool but didn't run green. I'll, I'll tell that story real quick right now. I actually got to play against Patrick Chapin during the launch party in round two. Both of us lost our first round, so I got to play against him, and um, he beat me pretty handily, um, partly because he's Pat Chapin, and partly because I was mana screwed. I'm not going to... It's not an excuse. Maybe I shouldn't have kept my hand, but <laughs> I wish I could have gotten to play a better set of games against him. The first uh, first game, I didn't draw any islands, and I was mostly blue. It was like blue-black. Um, and... Uh, Splashing white because I had Celestial Colonnade and I had like, um, like one planes in the deck or one or a Kabira Crossroads or something like that. So I just figured, you know what? Why not just play the, the Colonnade as a one of and play one planes? It shouldn't hurt me too bad. Um, but anyway, 
I got kind of mana screwed in game one, and game two was a little bit better, but he just had a lot more threats than I could answer. So anyway, uh, after that though, he asked to look at my pool, and he helped me kind of maybe rebuild my deck because of this particular thing, uh, the launch party, you're, you tend to, uh, they tend to allow you to rebuild your deck in between rounds. You don't have to play the same deck, which is, I think is great. I mean, it's for fun anyway. So, right. um, I think, uh, he laid out my pool and I was telling him, because in my pool I had Abyssal Persecutor, Celestial Colonnade, Eldrazi Monument, um, Strength of the Tajiru, Oracle of Maldaya, and Day of Judgment. So I'm like, do I go, do I play Day of Judgment and Abyssal Persecutor and go black-white? Do I go Abyssal Persecutor? Um, I, had a, I had a pretty good amount of good blue cards. So I, I was like, do I go blue-black? Do I go blue-white? I, I couldn't figure out. Do I go blue-black-white? Blue, you know, I didn't want to go three colors. I don't like especially doing that in, uh, in Sealed because I don't have as good of ways to fix my mana. So I ended up going blue-black with the Splash of White, as I mentioned. Um, he was taking a look, and he said, Wow, you weren't kidding. This is a really confusing pool to look at. So I felt at least a little vindicated in my decision there. Like, um, <laughs> good, I'm, I, I'm not the only one that would have trouble with this pool. Um, he said, as much as it pains him to say it, he thinks green was my best color. And uh, so we went on to build a black-green deck with Strength of the Tajiru and um, an Oracle of, Mal of Maldaya, Abyssal Persecutor, Eldrazi Monument that I could sack the Persecutor to. I had some black removal, and I actually, we splashed blue. I say we because he pretty much built the deck with just very minimal comments from me, kind of a little bit of discussion, but, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was just like, go ahead, build my deck. I would love to play a deck that you build. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just doing this for fun. I'm not, I don't care, you know. Like, I already lost my first and second round. I'm not thinking I'm going to be getting really any or many prizes, so... You know, whatever. Patrick Chapin built my deck. Great. Um, so he, um, you know, he kind of said, why not splash blue for some more bounce? And I think I even splashed white. So it was like a four-color deck. And it played way better than my two-color deck was playing, which is kind of crazy. But I still ended up losing the next round. Never saw Strength of the Tajiru, so I didn't get to play it. But I definitely had Abyssal Persecutor on board a couple of times. Um... And I didn't lose to my own Persecutor, I just was losing, you know, it was just one of those situations where if it was a 6-6 six, six flying trample and had no drawback at all, I still would have lost. It just happened that the guy had, like, the uh, the white Zendikon and he, like, equipped it with, you know, an equipment that gave it an extra toughness so he could Spider block Spider Silk Net? Yeah, something nice. like that. Nice! So he, he could block my uh, Abyssal Persecutor. One of my favorite plays all oh, of yeah. uh, pre-release was uh, Kraken Hatchling. Uh, first turn, Kraken Hatchling, Spider Silk Net. Second turn, Equip, Spider Silk Net, Go. And it was just like, I stop everything. Yeah, I'm a stupid much. 06 Reach creature. It was so good. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's what I have to say about that. I, I kind of never even really got to let you say what maybe you have to say about uh, Comet Storm versus Strength of the Tajiru. Um, yeah. Um, well, to start and to finish, good point. So, <laughs> let's... Um, we're going to go on to the next. Uh, Let's go on to the next one, and this. All right. is Thanks from, again, Scott. This is Chris from Minneapolis. Hey, this is Chris from Minneapolis. I completely agree with your banning of Bloodbraid Elf. Wizards printed that article by Blue where it said getting your spells countered is no fun, but there is nothing less fun than a uh, Bloodbraid Blood Elf into a Bitening, and I 
they could be eliminated with Bud Bright out being banned. Uh, thanks for the show. Uh, listen, I'll be listening next week. Bye. Okay, so thank you, Chris, for the... I almost said email because I'm looking at words, but <laughs> it's a voicemail. This is the future. We've got voicemail in our email, bro. Totally. It's crazy. The other day I got a Lloyd um, oh, yeah. hooked up with me on Apprentice, um, and he was like, do you want to like do like a voice chat or something while we do this? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he like calls me on AIM, and I sat there for like five minutes going, this is so cool. Oh, man, this is so <laughs> cool. I can't believe we're... We're playing magic on, over the internet, and we're talking on the phone. This is just, this is so cool. I like, couldn't get over it, how cool it was. But anyway, it was like we used to play magic over the phone, except right. that I actually could see, had a visualization of what was going on. It was excellent. So, thank you for the voicemail, and um, if anyone doesn't know, I have a blog about banning Bloodbraid Elf. Yeah, and yeah, you posted about I posted a petition to right. ban Bloodbraid Elf, and so far it's been a smashing failure. Um, I've had how I've many had signatures? Fourteen signatures, I think, to date. Um, so if you want to, if you really want to see, if you really don't, if you really feel like playing against Bloodbraid Elf every other game, fine. But if you don't, sign my petition on otherworldlyjourney.blogspot.com and uh, save my ass because I'm really starting to look foolish with fourteen signatures. But anyway, that's that's fine. I, I, didn't, I don't care really. I'm just. I, I don't you know. even think you expected it to actually do anything. I didn't even if you it. had fourteen thousand signatures, like. Uh, I mean, fourteen thousand sounds a lot better than fourteen. I'm oh, not, oh, I'm not that, saying that. I'm saying. Hey, wizards! This is a uh, my mother, my sister, my <laughs> grandmother, my dog signed it four times. Bruce Willis. My, my dog has multiple personalities. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, but anyway, if you want to sign the petition, do it. And if not, whatever. It'll just get lost in the internet forever. That's fine. Uh, I think um, they did, you know, your petition was posted before we knew most of World Wake. And I think, you know, the format's going to be shaken up quite a bit with World Wake. Um, that doesn't mean Bloodbraid Elf will be any less ridiculous, exactly. I just think that there's going to be some strategies that are equally ridiculous, and um, and maybe that's a good way to combat Bloodbraid Elf is to actually be playing something just as strong. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't. I I refuse to even really look at standard right now until after the PTQ uh, because I just want to. Uh, Extended's a kind of a fairly new format for me, and I want to kind of wrap my head around it and kind of immerse myself in it. So I'm not like confused by other things. I just want to focus solely on extended right now at least until the 20th and then i mean there's we're doing a standard event on the 26th so obviously i gotta throw something together together <laughs> together by then um but for now you know it, i'm like my mind is wrapped around extended and i guess that would be a good way to segue except that i wanted to say I'm kind of the exact going back opposite yeah, you didn't give me a chance to jump in there you kind of started you jumped right into the segue uh, I'm actually of the complete opposite opinion to Joe. I'm like, I posted on Twitter, like, so when does extended season end? Because I'm kind of sick of it. I haven't even been playing it, but we have World Wake, and I want to play Standard. I want to play with all my new cards. I'm like, oh, there's a Grand Prix going on? Oh, it's freaking extended? Like, I know I would have cared, I think, more, but I just got back from the Magic Cruise playing World Wake, and I've got my head completely engrossed in... World Wake Standard, and um, I'm excited with the cards that that we've seen printed. So, 
I'm plenty excited too with the. It, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm plenty excited with with the new standard format that's coming up. Well, I, you, you're going to a PTQ. I don't think I'm going to make it because I tend to not be able to make Saturday events. Oh, you're going. No, I'm going you to... You play fairies. Look, you got to play not, with a GTA or That's either. not the... I, what I get to play with isn't the problem. It's the fact that I will be at work from 1 a.m. on Saturday until 9 a.m. and then try to make it to a PTQ. Oh, you're going to be right there. You're going to be right around the corner. Oh, no, 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 no. But I'm going to be have been awake for 12 so hours sleep before late. I start playing. So sleep Then late. I miss your uh, sealed thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Joe's hosting a sealed uh, event for his birthday, which is Friday. So everybody... Friday, February 19th, send me bestial menaces in the mail, 1501 Ceiling Avenue, Baltimore, Maryland, 21237. I'm not kidding. I'll say thank you on our show, <laughs> and I want bestial menaces. I'm collecting them. And when, uh, just so they don't send to Ceiling Avenue spelled wrong. S-E-L-I-N-G Avenue. Um, and send me wolf tokens, too. Older the better. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'd be curious to see how many you get. It's kind of cool. I have about a hundred wolf tokens right now. Well, I mean, how many bestial menaces, bestial menaces wolves yeah. that people send you? I'll probably get four from John Medina, yeah. and like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it, yeah. Hey, but you know what, John? You send me four. Respect! <laughs> Funky J Medina, chilling in the cut. That's right, MTG Metagame. That's his Twitter. Yeah, is that, that's his website, that's, too. Oh, yeah, word. You can just go to mtgmetagame.com and it redirects. He's got a really good blog about uh, various different things, but he's kind of um, doing similar things as Kelly Reed from Quiet Speculation, where he uh, he posts about some prices and like price changes and things like that. So um, it's a good kind of uh, supplement to reading Quiet Speculation. Um, John and Kelly tend to have uh, pretty similar opinions, and I think John has beaten Kelly to the punch on some some things, which which is pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, I, I think they're... It's a good uh, set of blogs to be reading if you want to know uh, the financial side of trading and, and magic and things. Definitely. So, um, now that we've kind of veered sideways from what we were going to do, from your segue... Awkward transition... So, uh, wasn't there an event this past weekend that I missed part of because I was coming back from the Magic Cruise? No. No? Huh. thought there okay. was. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah. No, oh, that's right. Grand Prix Oakland. Grand Prix Oakland just happened, and Grand Prix Oakland was won by Matt Nass, who was playing an Elves combo deck, or it was some slowly. sort of a very slow playing of a fast deck. <laughs> At least that's what I heard. I had I was on Twitter and I was kind of reading some comments and people were saying that he plays kind of slow. Oh so. man, the, the it was the last feature match on Good Games Live. Right, GGS Live. GGSlive.com um, provides yeah. an awesome service where uh, they pl- broadcast live uh, Grand Prix and different things like that. Star City Games 5Ks. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool. Um, this was this weekend was the first time I'd ever had a chance to use their service, and I'm on a horribly slow internet connection. It's uh, stolen from my neighbors. And um, I managed to watch... Uh, it worked when it counted. You know, like, uh, it seemed like when I was having problems, everyone was having problems. Um, but... It seemed to work out fine when it needed to, and it picked up after a while. Um, like the quality picked up, and the quality was good. But I mean, the 
you know, the speed of the connection or whatever. I don't know anything about that crap. But anyway, regardless of how fast or slow my internet connection was, Matt Nass was playing that deck really slow. And the lag didn't help uh, the speed of his play at all. Um, the last match of the day on day one that they featured was him versus the uh, versus Peter Brozek, who was running... Everyone keeps calling it uh, Brozek Boros, but I personally like Barely Brozek better. Um, I just think it has a better ring to it. And that deck's really neat. It's a... It's like a Boros list, and it bases itself around landfall, and one of the coolest things about it is it uses flagstones of Trocare and Ghost Quarter to trigger additional instances of landfall. So he would sack his Ghost Quarter to destroy his own um, flagstones, and would search up two lands, and would trigger two instances of landfall and turn on top of other things that he did that turn. So he could activate a Zektar Shrine Expedition in one turn and swing in with the Zektar Shrine Expedition token and um, like a 7-7 like a seven, seven Geopede. It was really fun to watch. It was a really explosive deck. My problem with the deck is that once people... And I think it's a one-of, honestly, like a, a one-week wonder, I guess. Because once people catch on, they're just going to start siding in Dark Blast, and Dark Blast just literally destroys that entire deck. So... Anyway, good foresight on that one anyway. Um, hell, maybe, uh, what's that card that uh, gives creatures plus O plus two when it's not your turn? Uh, Glory of Warfare. There, oh, there it is. So maybe Glory of Warfare, I don't I mean, I, I think that might be a little too slow for the deck. Um, yeah. But it might be able to slow something down, or at least, uh, it says a long, it's an enchantment from a Lara Reborn. It costs a white, a red, and two. And it says, as long as it's your turn, creatures you control get plus two plus O. Oh. As long as it's not your turn, creatures you control get plus O oh, plus two. So, I mean, that could throw a wrench in it, but I still don't see that card ever being played anywhere. Um, although, I mean, it would be a boost for, you know, for attacking, and then it would help you, or it would only give them during your turn to be able to use Dark Blast effectively, and then you could sack something, you know, you could sack a land in response or something and still be able to come in for a good swing. So maybe that's an answer. I don't know. But that's just me being super open-minded as always about cards. Anyway, the final match was uh, Matt Nass Adam Yurchik. and against Adam Yurchik who was playing, uh, was it Thopter Depths? I don't know. I didn't watch. I, think I kind of barely watched. So it, was, it was Thopter Depths. Yeah, it was because Adam Yurchik literally like uh, in the top eight he played like 12 or 20 thought seasons. Like, he had a thought season in his opening hand, like, every game. Wow. It was kind of insane. But, anyway, that was... But, overall, it was kind of underwhelming, the final match, because, I don't know, the elf combo deck is just... I don't know. I don't know why people hate it so much. I don't hate it so much, but I hated watching it be played, because it was just not fun to watch. It was just a really boring match. But, uh... Anyway, whatever. Elves combo won, so come pack in your uh, volcanic fallouts next week. Um, I know I will be. Um, now, the one deck I really want to talk about, because you all know about Thopter Depths. I mean, Elves combo is something that's been around for forever. It was running Arbor Elves. It was running a couple interesting choices. Um, but the deck I really want to talk about is uh, Saito's Hypergenesis deck. 
Tomoharu Saito decided to run Hypergenesis because everyone was assuming he would be running Zoo. So he decided the last minute to audible to Hypergenesis because he wanted a, a deck that he didn't really have to test too much. And also because he noticed Terastodon was a really neat card that he wanted to run. And he was like, this card could be cool in Hypergenesis. So he threw four of them into his Hypergenesis deck. And I've got to say, the coolest play I saw him make, he lost in the top eight. The best play, I think, that I saw in the whole tournament, frankly, of the coverage that I watched, was when he cascades into a hypergenesis, and he drops an Angel of Despair. This was against Adam Yurchik. He drops an Angel of Despair, he drops an Oblivion Ring, and he drops a Terastodon. Okay? The opponent dropped a Thopter Foundry, and I think that was all that he was able to drop. He had a Dark Depths out, an Urborg, some non-basic land, and a Dark Confidant. So the commentators are all com commenting on, you know, what's Saito going to do, what targets is he, and they're all speculating what targets they think he should do. So here's what he does. He takes the Angel of Despair, and he targets its ability on the Dark Confidant. Okay, so the, on the stack second was the Terastodon's ability. He targets Thopter Foundry, Dark Depths, and his Oblivion Ring. And then he stacks the Oblivion Ring on top of all of that, targeting his Terastodon. So the Oblivion Ring resolves, Terastodon gets exiled. Terastodon's ability resolves, destroys the Thopter Foundry, the Dark Depths, and the Oblivion Ring. So now Saito's got an elephant, and Adam has two elephants. Terastodon comes back into play, and Saito targets one of his own forests and um, Adam's other two lands. So, <laughs> so Adam's got. <laughs> Sorry, it was so good. Adam's got four elephants in play. Saito's got two, and a Terastodon, and an Angel of Despair. And it was just the nastiest play I think I've ever seen. He just wiped the guy's whole board and left him with a couple stupid elephants. It was a lot of fun. I think anyone who was thinking about running Hypergenesis needs to go back. I don't know if Good Games has the uh, has that match posted yet on their cover, like posted to be able to watch. But you need to watch that match. It was hilariously awesome. It was so good. Alright, so looking at the lists that made day two of Oakland, um, we've got Zoo had 21 decks, uh, Depths Foundry had 19 decks, Scape Shift with 7, Fairies with 6, Bant with 5, Teachings 4, Dredge 4, Doran 3, Hypergenesis 3, Tesserator 3, Brozek Boros 2, must have been him and his friend, Living End 2, White Black Aggro 2, Elves 2, Smallpox Vampires 2, All in Red 2, Snowy Depths 1, KCI Foundry 1, Green White Haterator 1, Gargendon 1, Fish 1, Hivemind 1, so there was one Hivemind deck, okay. Kithkin, Kithkin awesome. 1, Green White Black 1, and Red Deck Wins 1. So those 
were all the decks that made day two. And as you can see, it's a pretty diverse field. Obviously, there are some favorites. Zoo, Foundry Depths, Scapeshift, and Fairies all seem to be favorites. And Bant also it has been coming up lately. I think those are all, you know... But otherwise, it's a, it's a pretty healthy format, I would say, in terms of, like, deck variety and things like that. I mean, of course, you know... Right now, the Depths Foundry combo is really popular among the pro players, and I mean, it's a strong combo. If you've sat on the other side of either one of those combos going off, you know how strong it is. Um, and the Zoo deck is just a perennial favorite, and it just runs a lot of very strong cards, and I think that it's a great deck. I just don't have Tarmogoyfs. Um, so... The decks that actually made top eight, we have the Elf Combo deck by Matt Nass, which obviously won first place. Thopter Depths from Adam Yurchik, which won second place. Bant with Conley Woods, MTG cast represent in third place. Um, yay, yay! Yay, And uh, the coolest thing about Conley's deck is, I think Conley's deck was the only deck in the top eight to feature Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, he was running three copies of Jace the Mind Sculptor in his deck. Um, I, I could go over that deck list real quick. Why don't, why don't I? So here was Conley Woods' deck. Artifacts, two engineered explosives. Creatures, four Avon Mind Sensor, four Noble Hierarch, one Stoneforge Mystic, four Tarmogoyf. Instance, four Bant Charm, two Cryptic Command, four Mana Leak, four Path to Exile. He's running one Umazawa's Jite, four Vendillion Clique, Three Jace the Mind Sculptor, two Forests, two Islands, one Plains, one Arid Mesa, two Breeding Pools, two Flooded Groves, two Hollowed Fountain, four Misty Rainforest, one Temple Garden, one Teleria West, two Treetop Village, and three Verdant Catacombs. His sideboard was an Engineered Explosives, four Tormod's Crypt, four Rocks Warmonk, four Samurai of the Pale Curtain, because he really didn't want things in people's graveyards. One Umazawa's Jite, and one Krovax, Ascendant Hero, which I really think Krovax needs to be the name of a death metal band. Um, or maybe it was. Maybe it was, and that's where they got the name. It's a good point. So I think that was a really interesting deck. I didn't quite get to see it in action, because I don't think they really... Did they feature... I don't think they featured him at all in the coverage, or if they did, I wasn't watching, because I had to uh, go do some stuff in the middle of the day. Um, now this is the deck I wanted to go over with you, the Living End deck. Have you seen this deck before? I don't believe so. Maybe Good. in like 1997 when it was Living Death. Right. Well, <laughs> check this deck out. So here's I, the I deck. I may have seen this. Sounds kind cool. of similar to the standard Dredge deck in a way. Okay. Um, so four Deadshot Minotaur, four Fulminator Mage, mm -hmm. four Ingot Chewer, four Jungle Weaver, four Monstrous Carabid, four Street Wraith. And four Valley Rannet. Now, the so, first question so, you're asking yourself is, what the hell do all those cards do? They cycle. Yes. I would assume they're all four cycling. Violent Outburst, two Night of Souls Betrayal, four Demonic Dread, three Living End, two Forests, three Mountain, three Swamp, two Arid Mesa, one Blood Crypt, one Mana Base. Um, so sideboard. You cycle like crazy. You cycle a bunch of stuff, and, and then you play a Cascade spell in the Living End, and brings them all back, and now you have a whole crap load of uh, creatures on the board. Right. It's pretty ridiculous. It's 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 really neat. Um, it does sound like fun. I got to see them break the deck down on the coverage, but I didn't actually get to see the deck be played. 
Um, once again, like I was kind of in and out of watching the coverage um, once the day it counted. There's not anyway, that many rares. Like there's no. It's a really cheap deck to build. Knight of Souls Betrayal, cheap. It's rare, but it's cheap. It's from like uh, it's a black enchantment from Kamigawa block. Um, it's uh, I think it's two black and two colorless. Um, for all creatures, get minus one, minus one. Sound right? Yep. Um, two black. Two, yeah, that's exactly right. And then there's uh, those those are rare. And then the living end are rare. Which oh, if you don't know what living end does, it's basically like uh, put all creatures from all graveyards into play and all creatures that are in play into their the cr- uh, yeah controllers. You remove all creatures from the game. Okay. And then you take all creatures from the graveyard and put them into play. Mm-hmm. And then you take all creatures removed from play and move from the game, put them in the graveyard. Okay. Um, so I mean that's a really neat deck. It's a it's a it's a pretty budget list aside from the mana base. And it was in fourth place. And it was in fourth place. Who played this? Um, this was Travis Wu. That's really neat. And it, it did really well. The sideboard: three Kitchen Finks, four Shriek Maul, one Yixlid Jailer, one Knight of Souls Betrayal, three Maelstrom Pulse, and three Thought Hemorrhage. Yeah, I mean besides the obvious. The pulses in the sideboard, and then there's uh, some fetch lands and and Ravnica duels for the uh, mana base, you know, which that's the kind of common theme among pretty much any format. The mana base is going to be more expensive than anything else. Um, it's it's a pretty cheap deck to build. So if you've got the if you can build a uh, stable mana base, you uh, you pretty much can build this deck pretty easily. Uh, you don't necessarily have to build the same exact mana base as. Travis Wu did, but uh, but that's really interesting. It's a cool deck. Wonder it reminded me, you know, of a hypergenesis kind of situation, except it seems kind of a lot more explosive, or maybe even more consistent. Because with hypergenesis, it's all dependent on what you've got in your hand when it goes off. Right. I mean, obviously, you're not going to play hypergenesis when you've got crap in your hand, but you still need to make sure that you've got some relevant uh, relevant creatures or permanents in your hand. That are going to win you and the game, and the mana to cast the uh, cascade spell you happen to have drawn. Well, of course, to begin yeah. the game because there were like there was at least one game in the top eight where Saito just had a hand he couldn't play. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, "I'm stuck on this." He's like, "He's got like an ardent plea," and he kept it. And then he's got like, well, yeah, well, he had an ardent plea, and then he had like a um, whatever that damn thing is the um, shaman. Gorilla Shaman. Oh, 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 uh, God damn it. Oh, now I'm going to forget the... Oh, Simeon Spirit Guide. Simeon Spirit Guide. Um, he had Simeon Spirit Guide in his hand, and then two of the uh, red-green charge lands, and, oh. a, and an Ardent Plea. So he couldn't play anything. You yeah. Know? So that was kind of a pain in the ass for him. Or, you know, he had one of the charge lands, one of, like, a gemstone mine or something, but he just didn't have the right mana to be able to cast what he had in his hand, so he was kind of stuck for a while. Right. Um, so, the, what I was thinking was really funny is that there's two copies of Saito Zoo mm-hmm. in the top eight, and then one copy of Saito himself <laughs> playing Hypergenesis, which I thought was really funny. Um, okay, so Saito Zoo wound up in fifth and sixth place. Boros Deck wins. Okay, Patrick Cox. Joby Parrish playing those two respective copies of Saito Zoo. Boros Deck Wins by Peter Brozek. Um, you want to look at this list real quick? Here's, oh, the, sure here's the list. Um, four Goblin Guide, four Plated Geopede, four Step Links. Sound familiar? Yeah. Four Zektar Shrine Expedition. Sound familiar? Four Lightning Bolt, four Mag- uh, Lightning Helix, two Magma Jet, three Path to Exile, four Searing Blaze, three Shard Volley, three Mountains, one Plains. 
4 Arid Mesa, 4 Ghost Quarter, 3 Sacred Foundry, 4 Scalding Tarns, 4 Flagstones of Trocare. It's basically, it sounds like Boros Bushwhacker with a different burn suite. I mean, yeah. That's with, you know, an upgraded burn suite with, like, Lightning Helix and Magma Jet. Shard Volley. Uh, Shard Volley and Searing Blaze. And Shard Volley, I'm pretty sure, is um, Sacrifice the, of Land. Sacrifice of Land, Lightning Bolt, basically. Right, and you can sacrifice the um, Flagstones. Flagstones and Yeah, it, it, it's such a cool list. I'm really excited about it, except that it's just going to be blown out by Dark Blast. Yeah. Um... Okay, sideboard is three Damping Matrix, one Oblivion Ring, three Refraction Trap, um, three Smash to Smithereens, and three Volcanic Fallout. That's funny. Pretty awesome. Now, the it's one thing I have to say... It's standard it is. It really cool. is close to standard. Now, the one thing I have to say about this deck is the games I saw him lose, mm-hmm. like to Combo Elves, it was because he needed to draw a Fallout and could not. He really needs four copies of Fallout, or he's, or he's just not going to be able to do it. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like the deck, if you want to run this deck, I strongly suggest running four copies of Volcanic Fallout. Um, just because there were so many instances where all he needed was a board sweep. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he played um, I'm pretty sure he played the Thopter Depths combo, mm-hmm. played against that deck in round one. Or maybe I'm wrong. No, 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 I'm lying, because... Saito played against uh, that deck round one. But whatever the case may be, he needed he, he needed, needed more vo- violent uh, volcanic fallouts, right. I think. He, he needed more violent volcanic fallouts? But he didn't, they needed to be more violent when he played them? That's right. He'd slam it on the table. Yeah. Flip the table over. And now I want to look at uh, Saito's hypergenesis list, just because it's a little different than it was. Go for it. Um, it's changed a little bit, and I, I'm, I'm curious because I want to see what it is now, because I'm kind of tempted to play it myself. Um, so the main deck, four Angel of Despair, four Bogard and Hellkite, four Simeon Spirit Guide, four Terastodon, four Ardent Plea, three Oblivion Ring, three Thirst for Knowledge, four Violent Outburst, four Progenitus, one Sakashima the Imposter, one Demonic Dread, three Hypergenesis, one forest, one calciform pools, three forbidden orchard, three fungal reaches, four gemstone mine, four reflecting pool, four tendo ice bridge, and one gemstone caverns. Sideboard, two ingot chewers, two shriek maw, four ley line of the void, three ricochet trap, two sakashima the imposter, and two fire spouts. Um, I really like this deck. I really like the sakashima uh, and progenitus combination. Oh, I just noticed he doesn't have Iona in here, does he? So he cut it, he cut the Ionas. That's interesting. That is really interesting. I thought Iona was one of the stronger cards in the deck. Right. Um, because it just shuts down a color, you know, especially if they're running some sort of board sweep, you can name the color of their sweep to keep your ass alive. But, huh, that's really interesting. Of course, Terastodon kind of... Uh, I guess serves that same purpose. Um, you know, it destroys their lands, it keeps them off of mana to be able to sweep your board after you've dropped your hand. So that's that's really interesting. Um, it's a really neat deck when it goes off, it's just the problem is trying to make it go off. I mean, you look at the, the breakdown by color of this deck, like just on this, uh, I'm looking at Star City Games, and their breakdown of the color in the deck is uh, 25% green, 20% white, 17% blue, 29% red, 8% black. So it's kind of like a little bit of each color, and when you're stuck with, like, 
two fungal reaches and uh <laughs> and like anything in your hand really it kind of sucks um you know well i mean i guess you could have violent outburst but if you draw the ardent plea and not the violent outburst you're just sitting there the whole game like there were games i saw him just sit there but the game that he actually wound up going off was completely awesome it was so such a blowout once he went off with that deck it was unbelievable so that's the breakdown of uh grand prix oakland um what should we expect this weekend at ptqs and at uh now pro tour san diego is uh extended is extended also no pro tour san diego is standard standard that's right that's why i'm excited yeah (laughs) that's pretty cool so um, we'll see what comes out of that this weekend as far as standard goes. I'll be uh, dealing with extended at PTQ. Anyone who's PTQing it up this weekend, nah, I, don't, I don't have any advice. I don't, I don't know anything <laughs> about the damn format. It's How my first extended tournament. Anybody who's PTQing it up this weekend, send Joe some advice. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, send me some advice. Uh, what do I do? Please help. Oh, my God. I'm so... Should I sleeve my deck? <laughs> Can I play it unsleeved? <laughs> so, um, so cool. Uh, so that's a little breakdown of of the uh, Grand Prix. Um, so we also got some listener emails. That's true. Uh, Russell Tassaker of Guafa's Bazaar, which is guafahazid.wordpress.com, um, sent us an email just uh, weighing in on the Razor Boomerang situation. He says, uh, here's some worse cards than Razor Boomerang. Soaring Hope. Hostile Realm, Moonlace, and Chimney Imp, to name a few. Uh, there are loads of shittier cards than Razor Boomerang. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> um, we could read what those do, but trust us, they're shitty. Or just look them up on magiccards.info. Scott McCallum, who had been um, who had left us those voicemails, uh, also emailed us a bit about his decks. Let's see, he had a Bant Allies deck. He says, here's, a, here's an Allies build. It's pretty quick. No uh, Day of Judgment or Lightning Bolts for the first three guys, and basically uh, you win, you, you win uh, the game. So uh, as he, he mentions here, the Japanese have been buying up the allies. That's the, the rumor going around. We haven't actually seen what they're building. I assume we're going to see what, whatever they've been doing uh, show up this weekend. Of course, um, some people think that it could be a front. Right. It could be a ruse to trick people into thinking that they're going to be playing against allies, and uh, they're just buying them up because they're cheap. <laughs> right. It, it could be. I mean, I don't know that... Uh, I think that would be funny if everybody bought all the allies and then played Jund. Yeah. That'd be mm-hmm. nice. Just to give you guys an idea of the Bant allies list that Scott's been working on, um, he's got three Tajuru Archer, four Hata Freeblade, four Kazandu Blademaster... Three Seagate Lore Master, four Orin Reef Survivalists, three Umara Raptors, four Juari uh, Shapeshifters, four Haribaz Druid, and four Kabira Evangels, along with four Join the Ranks. Um, the only card that jumps out at me as being like iffy is Seagate Lore Master because it's so expensive. Um, what I would do if I were running this list is I would cut the three Seagate Lore Masters and replace them with Rite of Replication. That's a good call. I like because that he's idea. got the Harabaz Druids. He can tap for a ton of blue mana mm-hmm. and then kick right of replication on any one of these guys and, yeah. and make some sort of super ridiculous play. Absolutely. And and I think another ally to consider is uh, Halimar Excavator. It, it might not look that great, and I kept making fun of it, but 
I mean, in a dedicated ally deck, um, you're going to do some serious milling. And, you keep and the right it, replication on uh, on uh, on that guy, and I think what, you've milled their whole deck. Is it? It's five copies, so it triggers. What I can't even remember how many times that triggers because each one triggers yeah six times or something. So, so it's I mean, like eighteen cards per yeah. That's ally? that's basically something like that. You unless they're playing a battle of wits deck, you've milled them out. Here's a question. Yeah. If you if you write a replication or kick a replication at Jwari Shapeshifter, is he going to be whatever ally he copied, or can you copy Jwari Shapeshifter and then copy new allies? Judge. I know that's a good question. <laughs> if anyone knows sure. the answer to that question, go ahead and uh, email us yomtgtabs uh, at gmail dot com, or we'll just go to Twitter and find out. Um, it says you may have Dwari Shapeshifter enter the battlefield as a copy of any ally creature on the battlefield. Um, and then Rite of Replication is, uh, you know, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of target creature. So it enters the battlefield as, a, as, the, as whatever creature it is. So it would actually be a Holomar Excavator or something. So you th- it, you, that's what you think it's going to... I don't think it. I don't think you could choose new copies. You know what I mean? Because you're not copying Jawar because it's not Jawari Shapeshifter anymore. Once it's on the battlefield, that's a good point. Yeah. So you're probably copying whatever Jawari Shapeshifter's copying with replication. Although it would be pretty sweet to be able to copy like five different creatures. Like just be like, you know, super join the ranks. Yeah. Everybody bringing their twin brother to the party. Everybody. Everybody getting tipsy. So, uh, so yeah, thanks, Scott, for that, uh, that deck. He also sent us a few other decks, um, an Esper Control deck. He, he sent this to us as I was, like, packing frantically for the cruise, but I did, I think, reply to him. But basically, an Esper Control de- uh, deck with, um, with Calcite Snappers and Jace the Mind Sculptor, Celestial Colonnades, Creeping Tar Pits, Soren, Treasure Hunt, Everflowing Chalice, um, Day of Judgment, Path to Exile, Essence Scatter, um, Negate, Doomblade, Esper Charm. Um, yeah, it's just a solid Esper control list, and I think it looks pretty good. Um, there's, I think, there's a wealth of options right now for blue-based control decks. Uh, that's why I'm so excited about World Wake and Standard and not Extended because it's been way too long since I felt like excited about blue cards. I mean, I was getting excited about some, and and I did post a, a blog saying that blue was not as bad as we always or as a lot of people wanted to think it was including myself in hindsight I don't think it was as bad but it is way better right now I'll tell you that so um but yeah so I think uh, esper is an option just being able to play esper charms fantastic but I was uh over the past few months I've been thinking god I just want to play a deck that plays esper charm but then I can't play you know Lightning Bolt or Cruel Ultimatum, you know, because I can't stretch the mana base like that. So um, now, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, you know, I'll play Esper Charm, I'll put Jace in there, and then I realize with uh, with cards like Halimar Depths, Jace the Mind Sculptor, and Treasure Hunt, there's really not a need for Esper Charm. So if you're playing like an Esper build that kind of splashes black for for mainly Esper Charm, you might want to look at maybe cutting the black entirely. Maybe maybe go blue white red. Um, I, unfortunately, I don't know the name of the guy that won the uh, Grand Prix trial on the Magic Cruise um, when I was there. But it was Melissa Detora's boyfriend. Um, I think it was her boyfriend. It was the guy who was with her. 
um, on the cruise, he won the Grand Prix trial with a red, white, blue control list, which definitely had four jaces and treasure hunts and things. So I think the new kind of um, library manipulation suite in blue is based around four treasure hunt, four jace, and four Halimar depths. Or two jace if you only have two. Yeah, or if you only have two, you should just sell them. Or trade them to me. <laughs> good, good try. Yeah. Hey. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he sent us an Esper control list. He also sent us a... Um, and if you have six, you should just trade two to me. Hmm, that's a good point. Um, yeah, Scott sent us a couple decks he was he was working on. Uh, a blue-black um, blood mill, he calls it. Uh, basically, um, using Blood Chief Ascension and Archive Trap and uh, Blood Gas and Jace, Hedron Crab. Essentially, a mill deck... Blood Chief Ascension can trigger off of all the mill. So uh, I haven't played anything like this. Joe may have thought about something like this. In fact, it looks like Joe Joe just pulled out two Spire Golems, which have affinity for islands. <laughs> Why are you showing me this? Giving you those. Oh, thank you. I was like, I know Spire Golem has affinity for islands. <laughs> you have funny. affinity for islands, so I gave you some with affinity for islands. Fantastic. You know, maybe I should make the, the art for Spire Golem a, uh, my, my icon for uh, Twitter or something like that. Yeah, it does say Affinity for Islands on it. That's I what I should do. That's the only card that says Affinity for Islands. I should, it does, it is. I should make this, like, my business card. I should just collect these, and I can write my name on them and, like, my Twitter information and the artwork or something, and then just circle, you know, affinityforislands.com or something. But we also got an email from Dale from Chicago. Um, he wanted to comment about Dragon Master Outcast. Uh, he says, Hey, guys, I'm driving home and listening to episode 10, and you're talking about how Dragon Master Outcast isn't worth anything until turn 7, but you just finished talking about Walking Atlas, who lets you drop extra mana. That makes him good by turn 5 if you can get a turn 2 Atlas out. Not to mention that, that new Thopter that lets you search for land. What do you think? Thanks, and great show. Well, thanks for the, for the email. Um, I, that's a good point. There's definitely ways to make him better earlier. Yeah, I mean, you can even run Red you Green explore and Explore Rampant Growth. There's all kinds of ways to make him better earlier, but I think in general, we were just saying, with the normal progress of land drops, Dragon Master doesn't do anything until turn 7. So, uh, but yeah, it really, to be more specific, Dragon Master doesn't do anything until you have 6 lands out, and it's your upkeep. Right. So, so if you want to pop lands out early, to get him online earlier, that's great. That he, was the card. I'm sorry to cut you off. That was the card when you when I saw the playtest cards. That I was like, man, they should have kept it like that. It would have been really good. Yeah, that's a good point. You you just mentioned and reminded me. Um, on my blog, affinityforislands.com, I posted some pictures of playtest cards on the on the Magic Cruise. Ken Nagel brought an entire binder full of uh, Worldwake playtest cards next to what they eventually became. So I took a bunch of pictures, um, and you can see them on my blog. Let's take a look at Dragon Master Outcast, since Joe brought it up. Um, the original incarnation of Dragon Master Outcast was a 1-1 one, one for, for one red, just the same uh, casting cost. Creature, Human, Shaman. At the end of your turn, if you control six or more lands, put a 4-4 four, four red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So the dragon was a little smaller but it happened at the end of your turn instead of during your upkeep. So you could play it when you had, you know, on turn six, you could play him and get a 4-4 dragon sooner. You know, you could have it at the end of your turn to block with instead of waiting until your next upkeep. 
and hoping that the Dragon Master survived through your opponent's entire turn. So yeah, it would have. I think that actually would have been better, even though the dragon's smaller. I think I might have preferred it the old way as well, but I can see the advantages to a 5-5, five five, of course, oh, compared yeah, definitely. to a 4-4. Four four. It's just, and maybe it was too strong that way. I mean, you basically pay one, and it says at the end of turn, get a dragon, you know, as long as it's turn six. Right, so you pay one and you get a dragon, basically. Pretty much, a yeah. A four, 4-4 four flyer for one is always good. Yeah, along with a 1-1 one one who's going to keep doing it, um, you know, every turn. Right, especially if, if like, you play that dragon, and then you play time warp with your other five mana. <laughs> yeah, good call. And then you get another dragon, and you play time warp. Or, like, Pyromancer's Ascension deck, something like that. Yeah. That'd be pretty nuts. That would be fun. So, uh, yeah, check that out if you're interested. Um, I think that is everything as far as emails go. Um, if you haven't seen, uh, on the official Wizards website, um, they did a little feature on podcasts. And, of course, MTG Cast, the, uh, the MTG Cast network is kind of the, uh, the main... Actually, the, the spotlight is pretty much just on the MTG Cast network, which, of course, includes Yo! MTG Taps. Um, just, uh, just to give a quick rundown, they mentioned Monday Night Magic and Limited Resources, the Mana Pool, Top 8 Magic... Judge cast, uh, protection from noob, and of course, Yo MTG Taps, which they say that is an awesome name for a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I agree because I came up with it. You didn't um, come up with it. I said Yo MTG Raps, and you said Yo MTG Taps. So we came up with it. Yeah. Yeah, so don't you take credit, bastard? At least, you know, give me half the credit. All right. Well, you and deserve half the credit anyway. Okay. Even, so, even if you didn't come up with it. You didn't come up with it. <laughs> Get out. <No. laughs> so, uh, so that was pretty awesome. I came home from the cruise and uh, had an email from Joe, like, oh my god, oh my god, we were mentioned on the official site. So we, that was pretty exciting for us. Um, pretty exciting for everybody on MTG Cast. So I, I actually uh, tweeted uh, Daily MTG after that. And said, so since we got a mention on the uh, on the main site, does that mean we get an exclusive spoiler of Rise of the Eldrazi? So no reply though. No reply. We'll see. Lastly, we uh, there was a tweet you wanted to mention. That's what I'm going to. Yeah, um, Scott McCallum, who we've already mentioned multiple times because he sent us multiple things. So see if you give us some feedback, then we will keep mentioning you, especially if there's two and a half weeks between our episodes. <laughs> um, he says, best cards in standard are Jace, Tectonic Edge, and then what? Treasure Hunt, Halimar Depths, Anathomancer, Sorin, uh, Everlasting Chalice, I'm sorry, Everflowing Chalice, Mother Loving Chalice. I think, um, I haven't given it thought as far as like, what is the best card in standard, because personally I think, as I said about Razor Boomerang, the cards around, around it are what make cards good, um, and thus far we haven't seen exactly what World Wake is going to do to Standard. Now we have some ideas. Uh, Patrick Chapin personally thinks that there's going to be Bloodbraid Elf decks, such as Jund, or Cascade-based, um, Tectonic Edge decks, which can uh, essentially you know slow down your opponents a uh, heck of a lot, you mana screw them, and uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor decks. I can't say that uh, I disagree with him. He's one of the smartest players 
you know, currently active right now. So I, I certainly value his expertise. So I, at the moment, until I have an idea of something otherwise, I'm going to say I agree with, with Patrick Chapin. And just from playing around uh, uh, the, the combo of Jace, Halimar Depths, and Treasure Hunt is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, just being able to, to manipulate your library like that, to have what you need, it's unreal. It's really, it feels great. <laughs> I mean, it just feels so good to be playing those cards together. So, um, you know what I feel really bad for right now? Who? Mike Flores. We haven't mentioned him once this whole podcast. Who is Mike Flores? <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that's kind of hilarious. It is. Well, funny. Mike, if you would post a new blog entry, maybe something mm-hmm. about World Wake or something, maybe we'd talk well, about you, too. No, 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 no. He posted about World Wake. He posted a Calcite Snapper blog. That's true. And I did want to mention that because that's another awesome card for blue in Standard, and I love it. And Mike, uh, you know, he made a really good point. Um, that was just such a long time ago. It, it was a while forgot. ago. It was before I left on the cruise, and, and, I, um, and I saw it when I came back. And I started reading, I'm like, I've read this before. <laughs> no, this was before I left. Yeah, this was like almost a week and a half. This was a week yeah, and a half ago. It was ago. February 5th, so it was, like, I think, Friday. It was the day I left. Yeah. I was probably reading it in the airport, waiting to leave. Um, so basically, it started off with Kyle Sanchez writing, Does anybody else think Calcite Snapper is the best creature in World Wake? I think I'm in love, and I'll have to uh, retweet that, because I agree, I think Calcite Snapper is the best creature in World Wake. It's certainly my favorite creature in World Wake. I, I think at first I, I didn't see it, it kind of, Mike says the same thing, like he, at first, uh, you know, he was like, what? <laughs> what was Kyle smoking? But uh, he missed the word shroud in the text box, as far as uh, Calcite Snapper goes. Calcite Snapper, uh, one and two blue, for one four shroud, and has landfall that you can switch its power and toughness whenever you drop a land. Um, I, I think when I first read it, I was just like, okay, whatever. But I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. And now that I've kind of thought about it more uh, and actually played with it, it's pretty impressive. His um, Mike's comment was how good it actually is to um, to follow up the snapper by tapping out for Jace the Mind Sculptor, and that way you can feel secure that you are uh, that your jace is safe because there's no way they can really there's not many ways to get rid of a, a calcite snapper and so you've got a blocker for jace i think it's just a card that runs right alongside jace just like treasure hunt and halmar depths so uh so if you want to hear more about what mike flores has to say uh we'll read it all after the credits we'll just read the whole co- i'm just kidding no just go to fivewithflores.com Joe is reading it right now. It didn't even catch on to me, like, totally lying. And Anyway. I, I missed the whole thing. I was yeah. kind of immersed in... In the blog. In the blog so, itself. So, um, I guess uh, I guess that's about it. We can wrap it up. Um, yeah, sure. I um, want to mention, keep checking back, because we're going to have some more coverage. As I mentioned, uh, our first installment is going to be um, the Ken Nagel Experience. Um, which he, uh, you know, is his interview with us and uh, the presentation that he gave on the Magic Cruise. I also have an exclusive interview with Evan Irwin of the Magic Show, the community manager for StarCityGames.com, and um, a, the uh, an, an interview with Patrick Chapin about some various topics. I, I kind of stuck with some generic questions at first, and then I um, I tailored them more specifically to that person. 
Um, I've never really interviewed anybody before besides Lloyd, and I think the questions we wanted to ask Lloyd were fairly obvious, kind of like, tell us about states, you know? <laughs> um, but I didn't really know what to ask, so I had to kind of come up with things. So, right, you can't ask the thousand questions that are swimming around in your head at, at once. Right, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit overwhelming for me, kind of. Like, I'm like, wow, this is the guy that designed you know, this set, that, that lead designed this set, or this is the guy whose book I was reading, you know, in the summer, you know, that I had printed out in a binder sitting on the beach and I'm reading Next Level Magic, and, you know, uh, or the guy whose show I watch every week, you know, uh, as soon as I get to work on Friday, early Friday mornings, you know, I'm, it's like, it's up, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm going right on there, right on Star City Games to watch the magic show. So, it, it was pretty neat for me just to be interviewing them, um... But I think I got some interesting uh, content. So uh, keep up with that. Um, I think I'm going to try to post some, like a little bit of video coverage. I got some limited amount of video. We'll see what happens with that. I, I'll probably post that on my blog or depending on what it is, I'll, I'll put it up yeah, on YouTube or Vimeo or something because YouTube has a 10 minute limit. But I think I don't think I have 10 minutes of coverage anyway. And it might end up in the Yo! MTG Taps feed like our World Wake pre-release video did. Right. Just recently, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it's been up on a, for a while, and we t- tweeted about it, but um, but it just showed up on the Yo! MTG Taps uh, MTG cast feed because there was a issue with the file size and things. So, um, anyway, yeah, stay tuned for that stuff. And uh, thanks, as always, for listening. If you have any feedback... You can tweet at us. You can email us. Tweet at us. It's at YoMTGTaps on Twitter. You can email us, YoMTGTaps at gmail.com. You can check my blog, AffinityForIslands.com, or check Joe's blog, OtherworldlyJourney.blogspot.com. YouTube. It's uh, YouTube.com slash user slash YoMTGTaps. Because they couldn't make it simple, right? And right. Can, God forbid. Are you sure it doesn't actually work when you type that in? I don't know. YouTube.com slash... Yo, MTG taps. Let's see what happens. Oh, it works. So, YouTube.com slash Yo, MTG taps. We have a Facebook group. Yeah, we got over a thousand views on the Baneslayer video. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. That's trippy. Um, that's really cool. Um, what were you going to say? Facebook? We have a Facebook group. I forgot. Yeah, because we don't do anything on it. But, you know, if more people joined it, or if Facebook didn't suck so much, that too. Um, then, uh, then we would uh, update that a little more frequently. Uh, but I mean, I figure like we we do so much on Twitter. I'm so hooked on Twitter at this point. Yeah. Um, that I don't. I almost feel like the Facebook group is like redundant and, yeah. and almost unnecessary. But it could be interesting. It's almost like having a message board. Yeah. You know that's what I mean? True. So it's like if you want to leave a message for people to comment on besides us. You can put it on our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of something you can do. Um, oh, you can tweet at just me on twitter.com slash affinity for blue. Right, and you can tweet at just me on Yo MTG Tabs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, just you. No. And me. Well, yeah, well, well Joe's on there sometimes too. Yeah, but Joe's only account is. Uh, I only use Yo MTG Tabs, and I seem to be on it 24 7 now. Now that he's got internet. Stolen internet. Yeah. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um. Is there anything else? This is the kind of person I'm podcasting with. <laughs> Guy steals credit and uh, steals credit, <laughs> steals internet and takes credit for the freaking name. Uh, and also, if you haven't checked it out yet, StarCityGames.com. 
uh, check out Evan Irwin's Magic Cruise 2010 discussion. He's got a live interview with Patrick Chapin, and um, I also am going to have the audio from that. So whatever, you can watch it, you can listen to it, you can do both, whatever. Um, and I think um, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, um, he's going to post the video of Chapin's uh, monologue on the upcoming standard environment, which, again, I have the audio from it. Um, I didn't really want to step on Evan's toes too much and post the same content as him on the same day or the day before he did, so uh, I figured I'd go with the Ken Nagel uh, content that I had first. So uh, I guess that's about it. Joe's reading something. I'm not sure. I'm looking at the hot buys. Oh, the hot buy. Hot bu- You're looking at hot guys? I'm looking at hot buys, B-I-S. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> She's shining a light.